Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of Data Literates podcast. In our podcast, we bring you real stories from real data literates around the world. My name is Milad Toliyadi. My name is Jerry Damaso. And we are your hosts. Today, we are speaking with Sana Homrock. Sana is the chapter lead data analytics at the ING Netherlands. Without any further ado, let's get into the conversation. I'm a son of Homburg. I'm 42 years old. I live in Amsterdam, uh, in Holland, obviously, with my wife and almost seven-year-old daughter. I studied econometrics a really long time ago. Um, and yeah, basically, I've always liked working with numbers, solving puzzles with numbers, and doing number stuff. Um, yeah, I work at ING, which is in the Netherlands, one of the main banks. We have three really big banks here in the Netherlands, and ING is one of them. And uh, we are also present in a lot of other countries around the world. I think in around 14 for retail customers and uh, basically in over 50 countries, I think, uh, for wholesale banking. Um, yeah, and I've worked here for a very long time, I think over 15 years already. And it has always been in areas that were about data and analytics and related uh, topics. And I think three years ago in the summer, we sort of shifted from the classical way of organizing everything. So we had a marketing department and product management department, etc., into this agile way of working for the entire company. Um, and that was a big shift for everyone, of course. And it meant we introduced tribes and spots and chapters, which are all based on sort of the Spotify model uh, with some adaptions to our own uh, environment. Um, and SWOTs that are multidisciplinary teams, so there can be data analyst people, marketeers, and IT people within one uh, sort of team, or we call them SWOTs now. Um, yeah, and I'm a chapter lead of data analyst within ING, uh, which means I, on one hand, for around 50% of my time, am a data analyst myself, and for around the other 50% of my time, I help my uh, chapter members yeah, become the best data analyst they can be. This is very interesting. So maybe the first question here is, uh, what made ING to uh, go with this model? What was the challenges first? And uh, what was that process of uh, doing this shift and big change, as you said? Yeah, I think the challenge um, that we sort of face as a big bank is that uh, yeah, everything around us is obviously changing and digital has become more and more important. So we have this Sort of new strategy which is called the think forward strategy um, and it basically says we have to be much faster with everything and to become much faster otherwise we probably will not survive because other companies uh, can change faster and have different uh, business models and don't have the legacy we sometimes have uh, so in order to basically increase our speed and flexibility um, the idea was let's uh, transition into this agile way of working, uh, which a lot of companies obviously already did before us, but I think the way we did it as a big bank in a country with IT people and commercial people was sort of, a, a, at least in the Netherlands, a very big experiment and something basically that hadn't been done before. Um, and if you look, you can see what the, there's this ING strategy on a page um, which also states a lot of this stuff and also is about, yeah, we should basically, we were a company in every country sort of had his own company. Um, so we had a lot of different IT systems in different countries and the, the longer stretch is also to combine all of that in basically so that we are 
truly one company which has a scalable platform, etc. And also one of the on that strategy page, it's one sheet basically, and one of the strategic priorities there is also develop our analytical skills to understand our customers better. Um, so there's also a big yeah, data and analytics component of that. So, I mean, this is a great point to kind of um, shift the conversation to uh, skill, skills development and basically the sea of competency. Uh, seems like you guys uh, had a, a lot of uh, leadership support because, of course, they wanted to create this change in the organization. Uh, and yeah. also seems like, uh, you know, uh, teams basically were mandated to, you know, develop their skills, analytical skills. Um, so. Yeah. And, and it's, it was very interesting to me that you said uh, you spend 50% of your time actually helping uh, the other folks in your chapter to become better analysts. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would love to hear more about you know, that, uh, the fact that you can actually spend 50% of your time uh, you know, in terms of uh, skills development and helping others and kind of that mentoring uh, you know, mm -hmm. relationship with, uh, with others. And also uh, yeah. how this is working out. Yeah, I think uh, actually having 50% of my time only for doing that is a bit uh, too optimistic, uh, unfortunately. Um, and basically, before we changed into this agile environment, I, I used to be a manager of analyst people as well. And then I also felt it as my responsibility to help them to become uh, better data people. Um, and now it's sort of split in that I have to do the work really have to do the work myself um, and the other part is about yeah, developing the craftsmanship of people and uh, the craft of data analysts as a whole and there's also so of course all this other HR related stuff you have to do in that other 50% so uh, there's a lot more crammed in actually to that 50% than only uh, develop, developing people but it is yeah like a, a big part of the responsibility of all the chapter leads. And for me, as a chapter lead of data analyst, that is about data, but there are also chapter lead of uh, customer journey experts, we call them, or marketeers. And then they also are responsible for developing that part of the craftsmanship of people. So I think uh, turning into this agile environment also brought with it like this bigger focus than we might have had before on developing our skills uh, as people. And um, for me personally, being a data analyst, I mean, a lot of these people in my chapter have been a data analyst for much longer than I have been. Um, and also they have 100% of their time doing it and I have only 50%. So I'm not making any uh, sort of illusion. I don't have the illusion that I'm a better <laughs> data analyst than they are, um, but I can have to help them, yeah. Develop their more soft skills, for example, or challenge them on how they uh, do their work. Or it's more like a, I feel more like sparing with them than instructing them or something. And so it's more, I think, about sort of creating an environment or taking away barriers and impediments so that they can sort of yeah spend time also on working on their skills because there's a lot of pressure basically on getting stuff done. It makes it quite hard to say, well, now now I want to spend this half a day or something on figuring out this new tool or this new part of the data or something like that. Right. So uh, what are the type of uh, activities that 
you guys do in terms of like helping each other and work on those uh, skills development? Is it more of a, you know, face-to-face mentorship? Is there any type of like uh, learning in place, learning, uh, official learning or e-learning in place? Or is it like combination? I mean, I want to also get into that, uh, you know, <laughs> to the game side of things, right? To the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's start talking yeah. about the, the activities that you guys do for learning. Yeah, and- so I think... Yeah, sure, sure. So I think there are sort of uh, two things here. One is um, yeah, helping data analysts become better in their job. And the other part we feel strongly about is helping the rest of the organization become better at analytics. Um, so helping the data analysts first maybe is, um, yeah, we do all kinds of different stuff. One of the things we noticed is that because as a data analyst, you're working with other people in the squad who, are, who have other disciplines. So it was quite hard for the people to sort of uh, create the time to uh, develop themselves. So we said, well, every Tuesday afternoon, you get a lot of people together and first figure out for yourself what you want to improve upon and then form groups with similar or with people that have similar sort of uh, wishes to improve upon. Um, and if it's necessary to follow some course for really specific technical thing or follow some Cordera thing or whatever, then basically a lot of that is possible. Um, and also we developed for the data analysts a sort of training program specifically uh, focusing on their soft skills. So on planning and organizing, on dealing with more extrovert people, uh, to put it in an exaggerated way. Because what we also notice is that data analysts tend to be more introvert people on average, obviously, whereas all the marketing people tend to be more extrovert and it can be tough for the data analyst people, at least it was uh, we noticed here, to sort of stand up for themselves or mm-hmm. yeah, make sure they were heard as well and the, they, the, the voice of the data had as much impact as possible. Um, so we also create this sort of co-created with data analyst themselves soft skills training program um, and this is all about basically training and helping our own people but since it's in our strategic priorities to uh, develop our analytical skills that's obviously then not only about data people but about everyone working at ING um, and th- for that part we also do a lot of activities for example the thing I tweeted to you about the uh, data driven escape room so one of the interesting things that you said, you said uh, when you approach people, uh, you ask them what they wish to learn. Uh, yeah. th- this, is, this is interesting. Like instead of, uh, you know, having like a formal agenda that, hey, you know, you have to follow this to become data literate, you basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, see what they are, what their needs are, what their wants are, right? And yeah. uh, create that sort of program around that. So it's very user centric, right? Yeah, and that uh, that was uh, uh, that is how we are doing it with the data analysts. So asking uh, them, and yeah, they obviously are already quite data literate. Um, and then for all, the, all our environment, basically, so the people, the non-data analyst people, the customer journey experts, and stuff like that. We also tend to sort of look at a specific department or a specific tribe or a specific squad and then we see okay this would really help now in this part of the organization and we sort of yeah do that thing you said doing it about yeah okay this squad needs something then we 
have a lot of material that we've created over time, and then we can sort of apply that in that specific context. Um, so, for right, example, so, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we had like this, uh, uh, we have a sort of workshop or training uh, of basically uh, two hours or half a day around uh, working with hypotheses instead of just, uh, oh, I have this great idea, let's implement it uh, and sp invest a lot of money on building the idea. So how can you sort of test this out first or do smaller scale experiments and stuff like that? We basically have that as a module, you could say, and if it seems relevant for a specific group of people, then we say, oh, we can organize something for you. So is that like more of a, um, you know, seminar type of thing, or is it actually like a, you know, no, yeah, the, the, this is like or, seminar or uh, in, in real life uh, training, basically, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, and, um, gotcha. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's mm -hmm. also maybe important to, mentioned that uh, all the data analysts are in the hierarchy of the organization within an analytics tribe, but then are being sent out to basically the other tribes or departments, uh, um, and they work in a multidisciplinary sport in other environments. So I can be working at a sport that's focusing on the marketing of mobile banking, for example, and then I'm one data analyst there, and there are seven customer journey experts, so we are really working on a daily basis uh, within such a team or squad. So it's also quite easy to just yeah, help people that are around you on a daily basis. So uh, helping them ask the right questions, for example, or uh, I always give the example that people ask, yeah, I want to know everything about customers that use, I don't know, our mobile banking app. And then probably that's not what they really need. They really need something else so that you can make some sort of decision. Um, and yeah, having these kinds of conversations also help, I think, to increase the, uh, yeah, the, the mindset, basically. So we, we didn't call it data literacy uh, here, so we call it like more increasing the data-driven mindset or way of working. Uh, and that also helps that you are basically in their team for the, 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 the entirety of the week. Very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that was actually one of my next questions. I think you sort of answered it. So, as you said, like data analysts, they are, you know, probably at a good, you know, maturity yeah. level for data literacy and there are always skills mm -hmm. to develop. But uh, for business users, as we call it, or people who are not really traditionally, um, you yeah. know, working with data all the time, or, you know, basically they have other objectives, they're not really hands on. Uh, you mentioned like, you know, basically putting them into multidisciplinary teams, having a, you know, data analyst, you know, close to them so they can, you know, talk and work yeah. on that mindset. Uh, is there anything else that you do for your business community to make yeah, them so data I think literate? one thing is those data analysts being there and we also, yeah, push and stimulate the data analysts to have these kinds of conversations, right? So not only someone asks you some set of data, you provide it and do the next thing, but really... Yeah, sort of be like a missionary as well in that uh, respect. And I think two years ago already we had this like big training program for the business people, right? So the non-data analyst people also, yeah, to increase the data-driven mindset. So at the start of this new strategy I mentioned uh, before, um, and we decided basically at the start of that program, yeah, it, a couple of things. So it should be a program over a longer period of time, so not just five weeks training and then that's it, because we thought it could be about uh, changing behavior and that 
obviously always takes longer, so it helps if you sort of get in touch with people uh, over a longer period. And it should also be more about the mindset than about technical capabilities. So we also have in this training program like Excel trainings or basic statistics training, but it was more about, okay, uh, if you have a good idea, test it first instead of investing and set up experiments on how does this work and yeah, figure out what the actual problem is you're trying to solve and stuff like that. So it was more about the way of thinking is more important to us than the technical capabilities of people because we thought, well, okay, if the way of thinking is good, then people think, oh, I need these technical capabilities to support my way of thinking. Um, yeah, and we also decided from the start that it should be a lot of fun because in the heads of a lot of people, it's still some sort of boring, scary thing. So uh, we said from the start, so if, if we want to make <laughs> this attractive and successful, we obviously already had the help from the fact that it was in our strategic uh, imperatives, but then if it's also a lot of fun to join, then probably that will help as well. That's that's uh, one of the bigger biggest um, you know impediments mm -hmm. uh, for with data. There are a lot of insecurities yeah. around data. People are xenophobic yeah. in some cases. People think yeah, data is not sexy. Yeah. Data is boring. They and, couldn't be uh, more wrong. I, I mean, think, but so uh, that's actually interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I mean, that's that's actually very interesting that you said uh, way of thinking and also uh, making data fun. I mean, that's the whole point. Like, for example, with uh, now we're talking about, you know, employee yeah. journey and employee experience. Uh, so basically the mission is how yeah. to make work not suck, right? Yeah. How to make it fun and engaging. And I guess that's the same principle in people analytics applies to, uh, you know, making people data literate, uh, you know, how how you motivate people to remove all of these fears, remove yeah. all of these insecurities, and yeah. be more comfortable with the yeah, data exactly, yeah. and also enjoy yeah, it. So for that know? big <laughs> program, we, uh, we, uh, it was targeted on around 300 people was the maximum capacity, basically. And we had this big kickoff for that program. And we thought, okay, well, this should start with a bang, right? And start with a lot of fun and energy and stuff like that. And it was, I think, at the time, here in the Netherlands at least, when sort of escape rooms were the hip thing, right? Uh, still are a bit, I think. Um, so we sort of discussed, well, wouldn't it be really cool if we designed our own escape room covering like different parts of the, the, the journey that lay ahead of people? Um, and we did this with two people from um, basically me and one of my colleagues from our department and someone from HR Business Learning and someone uh, externally who added a lot of creativity to the whole thing. Um, and so we thought, oh, that would be cool, but it would uh, probably be way too hard. But then the other said, well, no, we can fix this together. So uh, that was basically how it all started with that escape room thing. Um, as sort of uh, part of the program of that bigger training program in the kickoff. Uh, um, and then, so we did that entire program. It was, uh, I think, quite successful, but we did notice that it was quite hard for people to make it to the end of the journey. Um, so we are not doing these big kinds of programs now anymore. We just use the material for smaller groups. Um, and we also had all the material from the escape room, basically. And we, I think, over a year, we didn't really use it anymore. Um, but then at some point in time, the organization also start this onboarding program, right? So also like an employee journey when you join IMG as an employee, 
Then we have this program called Destination Orange, which is about basically painting blue orange, so to speak. Orange being our uh, company color, obviously. Um, and one of the parts of that uh, two-week program was an hour-long presentation of our tribe about our purpose and the importance of analytics, etc., etc. Um, and this was part of a two-week program full of like PowerPoint presentations. So we thought, well, why not use that game we had developed a couple of years ago because that could be fun and entertaining and yeah, really uh, bring a sparkle to people again. Um, yeah, so that's what yeah, that's what why we are doing this it, where we are doing it now. So every four weeks there's a new group of uh, people joining IMG. And uh, one of the things they get in their first two weeks is uh, play a data-driven escape route. This is very, yeah. I mean, it sounds extremely yeah. fun. Uh, so let's get into it. Like, what does it entail? Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds fun and engaging. And of course, it's a perfect way to onboard a new employee yeah, exactly. to be more engaged um, from the get-go. Yeah, so first off, maybe uh, data analysts are really focused on definitions always. So. It's not literally an escape room because you don't have to literally escape a room, but it basically has all the elements of an escape room, right? So you have <laughs> big uh, descriptions and you have to solve puzzles and you have to open a suitcase and then there you find a USB drive and then you have to open something else and stuff like that. So we basically start already somewhat different. So I'm doing this um, often with one of my colleagues and we dress up in an orange suit. And we say, well, we are the men in orange. Um, we are J and S, like our initials, like the men in black, right? Um, and um, we say, well, um, yeah. show this trade view on the page. Say, oh, you already know this because it has been uh, in the program before. And one of the things is analytical skills. And it's also about your analytical skills. Um, and then we introduce ourselves as sort of representatives of the Department of Data of a Kingdom which is called the Kingdom of the Fact Beasts. And uh, uh, this <laughs> it's sort of a joke that works really well in Dutch, but not in English, because uh, like fact-based working, fact-based beast then actually is based in Dutch. Um, so we have this sort of purple animal with all numbers in it, and uh, that's our king. And we start off, instead of with a presentation or explaining the rules, we start off with an interview with our king, basically. So we. It's a pre-recorded uh, thing, obviously, but then we have a dialogue with our king. And all of this sort of helps to get people in the right mood or something. We, we always are on the program on Friday at 9 a.m., so really in the morning. Everyone is still waking up a little bit, but after all of this, they are wide awake. Um, yeah, and then basically we say form groups and uh, yeah, try to enter our kingdom, which is what uh, the king uh, yeah, calls upon, basically. Um, and then the first puzzle they have to solve is that they have to sort of uh, make a journey. So they have this map and they have an invitation of the king and they have to figure out which plane to take from where to where and which boat to take and which train to take. And then by sort of creating the correct journey, they find a code and that code then helps you to open up the suitcase, etc., etc. Um, so yeah, and I think there are a lot of elements yeah, that are that you can relate to data literacy or data-driven working, right? So uh, a lot of groups make the same mistake, for example. They make assumptions which turn out to be wrong, and they don't read all the material and stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah, so there are a lot of sort of hidden elements that also come into play of working in a data-driven way. And the way we then sort of let people find it out is that after they've solved the game and they are welcomed into our kingdom, um, then we have the a retrospective, which is also part of the rituals in the agile way of working. And we ask them, well, what have you learned from all of this? And I think that really sort of helps to get stuff in people's heads, because otherwise it would just be a really nice game. Uh, but then sort of reflecting upon it helps a lot on the different aspects that are hidden in the game. Right, very interesting. So uh, do, do you actually uh, let the players um, you know, engage with any sort of like data asset or go find any type of, you know, uh, or correlate any sort of data sources yes, or it's more of an abstract journey and more yeah, of a reasoning and really critical more thinking. about reasoning, critical thinking, defining the real problem. So a lot of people define all kinds of other problems than just solving the puzzle as being the real problem. But then uh, in the second phase, they open a suitcase and they find a USB drive there and also uh, a new letter and sort of this journal. And um, the letter says, well, on the USB drive, you find uh, the results of the census of the, the kingdom. Uh, there were a lot of issues with data quality there. And unfortunately, some of it has been leaked to the press. Um, and on that USB drive, there's this Excel file with, I think, around maybe 5,000 rows or something. And then out of the information in the in the letter and also the information in the sort of journal uh, uh, they find there, or the newspaper they find there, they have to sort of filter out uh, the answer to the next riddle. Um, so there's this element of, yeah, really analyzing data in a simplified way, obviously, but analyzing data, being able to handle, handle filters, being able to sort of abstract information out of this long article. It's like basically on one page, but people think that's already a really lo a lot of text to read. Um, so that part is really about sort of doing a really small data analysis, actually. Um, so that's more the like really practical part of it. And then uh, in another part also, that we have um, get, uh, gathered some big data visualizations. And we say there are scales in the in the kingdom. We only want visualizations that don't harm the truth. And you have a lot of like the the, the misleading charts in there, right? Some of Fox and Friends and some of other uh, places. Uh, so there's also this part of well, data visualization uh, is really powerful, and you can misuse it or use it in the good way to sort of uh, uh, bring across your message. So there are really direct links to uh, working with data and working with visualization and also more sort of abstract ways of connecting people. We're going to take a quick break, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed the episode so far please make sure you subscribe to our channels at Data Literates. Wow, this is, this yeah. is fascinating. I mean, it, it sounds very fun.
my question is how, how do people uh, inter- so I think a core mission yeah. of this is also collaboration of the players right yeah. if they fail to communicate and collaborate with each other they're not going to decode um, yeah. those fallacies or you know the, yeah, the, so, the right uh, that's also, the right message um, to you since it's in our onboarding program and we are working in this agile way we also in that retrospective reflect on how did you work together and um, we start with saying well you Basically, you have been working as a squad, like you are, will be working in, uh, in the rest of your career here, with a specific pur- purpose, solving the puzzles. And then how do you work together? Do you sort of divide the work? Do you listen to each other? Do you give feedback to each other? For example, in that part where some people read the newspaper for useful information, another person is looking at the Excel file on their laptop, and if they don't talk to each other, they miss important stuff. Um, for example, there's this thing also around assumptions. We say a child cannot be a fact beast in the newspaper, and then a child, people immediately assume, oh, filter out all the people that are under 18 in the Excel file. But in this other world, child is not something as someone below 18, but child is a function. And there's also this column function in the Excel file, which they have to filter out. Um, and if they don't look at each other's part of the puzzle, they won't find this easily um, because they are stuck on assumptions again. Um, so we also reflect on this, how do you work together uh, because this is how you will be working together as a squad, uh, which is not really about data uh, skills or data mindset, but about yeah, uh, the agile mindset of working together. Yeah, so the, the, the purpose of the team here is to sort of uh, make sure that they can enter our kingdom. And I think yeah, and I think also the fact that it, it is a game, people forget everything. They would just want to play the game and solve the puzzle. And I think um, yeah, we don't really track the numbers and individual feedback of everyone, but there is a lot of positive feedback always afterwards. And we can see that I think 95% of the people are really getting into the game and being really fanatic and having a lot of fun and a lot of energy in the room. Um, so it's basically... Everyone likes solving these kinds of puzzles. I think, especially prefer that over a PowerPoint presentation. Over now, I think. Right, that's true. I mean, uh, this is very interesting. I think uh, again, as part of onboarding, but also I think it creates some level of understanding of your organization's goals uh, in the first two yeah. weeks. That hey, this is what we are about, and you know that's why we are going yeah. through this game, and we are trying to engage you with some of the topics that is very important to our organization: critical thinking, collaboration, yeah, yeah. and you know, and and achieving the shared goal. I think this is a great way to deliver that message to people instead of giving handing out like a, you know, like a booklet or employee handbook or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, we have stuff like that too. But I think uh, adding sort of really experience the thing for yourself in in this sort of engaging way really helps too yeah and i think it's uh, it's all about that uh, having that mindset so if you have that mindset from the get-go that's interesting have you played the game with uh, the current employees or it's just uh, part of uh, the onboarding yes yeah so we did it a couple of years ago with i think that when we did that training program in the kickoff there we had i think 300 people that went through it on one day and um, we did do it. We also sort of now, since there are people uh, going through this onboarding program and then they go to whatever department they uh, start to work and then there can be this 
team day or whatever. So in those cases, as a spin-off of the thing with the onboarding program, we think we've done it uh, yeah, dozens of times already. Also, sort of as a consequence of onboarding new people and also for um, there was someone joining IMG. Uh, she started to work afterwards at the, the trainee and recruiting uh, department, so within HR. Um, so now we also do this with new trainees and with people that want to become a trainee with IMG. And then the, there's a sort of extra purpose uh, in playing the game because then the recruiters also observe how everyone is behaving and who sort of takes a natural leader role and who sort of it still listens to everyone and stuff like that. Um, so we sort of do it for different groups as well, but then again, based on context or a desire of someone to organize it there. So it's not that we uh, sort of say, oh, everyone should go through this game uh, uh, in, within the next month, but again, we are always uh, happy to organize it for different parts. Gotcha. And going back to the, you know, um, the organization, um, organizational change that happened uh, at your company um, and you know tying back everything to the outcomes because at the end of the day that that's what matters right uh, what, what has been the experience yeah. in the past three years doing activities such as this uh, and also having the the, the tribe model um, in terms of like impact on bottom line in employee happiness and you know things that really um, links to the outcome of uh, these type of programs what, what has been your experience? Yeah, I think uh, um, obviously it's like a doctor that uh, eats unhealthy, right? So I don't have exact numbers on all of sure. these things, although I always preach to <laughs> people that they should have it. Um, but with, well, yeah, what you do see is that sort of with the new agile way of working, I think it was yeah, it was this phase that everyone went through together. So it was also about letting go of the old stuff. And obviously we also are with quite less people now than we were before this uh, new way of working, right? So there was also partly a reorganization uh, tied to it. So, um, but yeah, you see now that everyone is sort of enjoying this new dynamics of squads, I think by and large. And of course it brought new issues and new struggles and new stuff. But in general, I think people really appreciate the fact that multiple disciplines are now within one squad where before you had to, well, someone from marketing had to talk to someone from a channel and then had to wait a couple of days for the response again and stuff like that. And now basically a lot of that stuff waiting for each other and waiting for positions of uh, higher up levels in the hierarchy, etc. A lot of that stuff basically gone now. And I think that's the, or at least the employee happiness, that's one of the big pluses here. Um, yeah, so. That really helped. That's great. And, um, and for the, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I think for the data part, I think it really helps that uh, people are working as sort of a, on the, on the same level in the, in the team. So they're just one of the members of the team instead of someone supplying data stuff. Um, and that really helps in the sort of, uh, added impact for the voice of data and customer behavior and stuff like that because you are there early on in the process and early on in the forming of ideas and stuff like that and you can already steer there right and i mean i think uh, one of the most interesting things that i uh, uh, gathered here 
is uh, so for example in our models we have uh, this competency uh, matrix that you know we have uh, 11 sort of uh, you know competencies for data literacy uh, two of them are at organization level data culture and data ethics and security and the rest of them are really at individual yeah. level, you know, asking the right question, finding the data, getting the data, verifying, cleaning, analyzing, visualizing, communicating, assessing, and interpreting. And I think one of the things yeah. that we always uh, tell people is that you don't have to make your uh, people data scientists, uh, you know, and, and context really no, matters. Absolutely. So if you are talking to a salesperson, yeah. uh, you know, level three of data literacy uh, for that person is different from a level three of a uh, data literacy for a business for an analyst data analyst right uh so but but yeah you know creating tribes creating like teams basically i think you are uh, looking at a collective maturity of a team uh, and how people actually complete yeah. each other versus focusing on uh, skill sets that may not you know come handy for people and people may uh, struggle a lot to actually learn those uh, skills but in a team setting the team is data literate and is uh, you know functioning a lot or i mean correct me if i'm wrong or is it yeah. like more of the no actually you guys definitely work on all of these competencies for each individual or you're trying to work on you know the, the team competencies basically yeah i, I think the, the, I, I fully agree that the context is really important right so for the data analyst people if you are in an environment where you never have to create one dashboard it doesn't make sense to learn how to create uh, good dashboards and the same goes for uh, squads probably uh, we can help a lot of people become a little bit better on the data part or uh, a little bit more data literate to use those terms but for some people this is really natural and they like it and they are sort of have this this interested in interest in numbers and for others it's yeah, they basically hate it and will forever mm -hmm. hate it um, but as long as there are enough people that sort of get to a little bit higher level and also those people that don't really like it um, even if we can sort of uh, make sure that they see and feel that it is important to uh, yeah, work in this data-driven way, then they might not be the person actually doing stuff, but when they are aware of it, they can find other people that can help them uh, with stuff. Um, and also we have this sort of discussion now also about a big analytics academy that is being developed on a group level, so for all the country to find together. And we have a lot of discussion with those people as well because it's all about yeah knowing all the different kind of algorithms and what they can do for you etc and i said well i rather have that people know what the three dangers of using averages are than um, of using the, the latest different kind of algorithm because they're that's more close to their context and adds more value right very interesting I mean, this is uh, this is this was a perfect story. I, I really loved it. I know we are about uh, time, <laughs> and I do again appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else that you think um, you know our audience uh, would enjoy hearing from you, uh, or also like you know how can people uh, learn more about this? Is this, is this uh, somewhere available, or um, you know you know how do you do you want people to reach out to you, or like you know, I just uh, want to make sure that. Yeah, obviously, probably I can, I can be found on Twitter and other places. Um, uh, we can uh, share my contact details. Uh, I will share my contact details with you. Um, we don't really have anything outside of ING where you can find more stuff, but um, I'm always happy to yeah, 
their experiences with other people around this topic of increasing the data-driven mindset or data literacy. Um, yeah, I think the, the having a lot of fun around it, it really helps. So getting people to understand, oh yeah, data is cool, uh, that really helps. So one of the, I think the last time we played the game, someone said, oh, how come you, you data guys seem so creative? Because I thought data and data people, yeah, they were sort of <laughs> dull, but yeah, I, can, I can definitely throw away that stereotype now, she literally said to us. So that's, yeah, I think that really helped a lot. And maybe, yeah, one other thing we do is also to sort of get people to interact with data. I, I read a couple of years ago from, I will say his name, Noah Lorang, who work at Basecamp then. I read this article from him that he said, yeah, I started uh, sharing a chart a day with the people in my company. Um, so inspired by that, we also created something we call Daily Fact Bites. Uh, which is basically uh, a, a bite-sized yeah, insight about the customer behavior, which is graph or another uh, way of visualizing data or uh, like the results of an A-B test. So you get to see two different uh, uh, pictures that we use in an email and you have to guess which one you think performed better. Um, and yeah, people at IND can just subscribe to this daily uh, effect bite. And that also helps a lot, I think, with Sort of getting people to interact with data and maybe laugh about it sometimes or discuss it with their colleagues and stuff like that. So that's, I think, another interesting thing that we uh, do. Yeah, it seems like uh, you guys have um, a very, um, you know, mature knowledge management or community around data that enables you to, as you said, subscribe to things and also be easily, you know, share things together and work together. Uh, that that is like a, a very important you know topic in terms of having that community uh, established. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it helps that we have the, all the data and lists are sort of organized together and then are being sent out to other tribes, so that makes it easier for us to find each other. And these fact bites we sort of started with six of us who are into this kind of uh, uh, funny and uh, <laughs> crazy ideas. Um, and now we, we started beginning of last year, I think, um, and we are still going strong, so to say. Um, I do think that we can greatly improve still on knowledge management and sharing those learnings and insights we sort of find in all the different places. Um, yeah, and, I, and that is really important because otherwise we sort of reinvent the wheel every time. Um, but we didn't find the magic solution for this yet, so if someone has that, uh, I would also be uh, happy to hear about that. Sure. Uh, so my question was, uh, do, do you guys actually use a tool or anything at the, at the organization level for any type of, uh, you know, knowledge management? Or yep. mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, our go-to place for that is Confluence, mm -hmm. um, which you, you can share, uh, yeah, how to and stuff like that, but also uh, we use it for to share, uh, yeah, insights we gain. But uh, the tool did not solve yet our uh, problem of discipline and uh, putting stuff out there. Mm -hmm. That's still yeah, so I mean, uh, just to share a little bit from our insights uh, with you. Uh, so we actually created this uh, concept of, well, we didn't create the concept of social learning, but uh, we use that concept. We, uh, we are using a social media platform uh, and we turn it into a, you know, social learning and knowledge management uh, tool. Yeah. And it's almost like Facebook for analytics. So uh, people, you know, they have their own profile. They have like a single news feed, 
And, uh, you know, we basically just, uh, there is no like folder hierarchies. Everything is based on search and taxonomy. Uh, so like you have a question, uh, or you, you want to find something, you just search, you yeah. don't go into one folder yeah. after one folder and after one folder. Uh, and we have like, uh, ah, yeah, okay. yeah. And we have like uh, knowledge, uh, gatekeepers that, uh, you know, they go and clean up, uh, and make sure that the taxonomy is right, like the taggings and uh, like yeah, the wordings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important role that we don't have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's that could help a lot. Yeah, and and also um, we we also have this concept of for our clients, uh, we have this concept of uh, e mentors uh, that mm -hmm. you know basically you can have any sort of question, even like technical or non technical. You say, hey, I have this data set. Um, it's in Excel. How do I? What's the best way for me to visualize this? Or I see this visualization on my, you know, dashboard. Uh, here's a screenshot of it. I can't read this. Like, what? What does it mean for me? And these uh, mentors, yeah. you know, they are from design, from um, you know, data science, from you know, just business yeah. intelligence. So they jump on the question and say, hey, you know, here's a link or here is like, you know, this should work or here's a short video that I recorded for you. This is the explanation of okay, the chart. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this... we, we didn't. This sort of stuff does happen uh, at our place. We, uh, we sort of use group chats for, oh, I have this problem. Who can help me? And then also people are really, really willing to help. But we didn't really organize for it. So that's interesting. I think uh, think about it. Yeah, I think uh, really shaping that taxonomy first, uh, because also if yeah. you want to uh, look at it too tribal, it becomes folkonomy, like, and everybody is just using their own uh, terminology for things. So yeah. having that clear definition of, oh, what are the functions? What are the you know, roles? What are the you know, uh, asset types that you have? And, and yeah. it gets into details. I mean, uh, for us, we have industry, we have like, uh, you know, levels of um, understand like or data literacy. So we, when we post right. something, we actually tag everything with the role, with the function, with, uh, you know, uh, depending on organizations, taxonomies, we understand that and we push it into the content as well. So we make yeah. sure everybody yeah. is using the same language. Yeah. And also yeah. like the whole concept of community managers, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that helps a lot, I think, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I'm, I'm very glad we had this conversation. Thank you very much for your time. And yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I'll keep in touch. Have a, it's cool. at night right now in Netherlands. Nah, so. It's uh, 5 p.m. So it's still, oh, 5 p.m. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you too. Have uh, fun. All right, fellow data literates. This was our episode for the week. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, please share and subscribe so you can catch us next week too. This episode is sponsored by the Data Literacy Foundation. You can find their website at dataliteracyfoundation.org.